time for another bright and shiny rough day in showbiz. Today, I have a very nice man. Let me introduce you to him, Chris Gaunt. Chris is an actor, producer, and writer who has performed in several films, episodics, commercials, and music videos. He is known for his work in the films Follow Her, Daydreams of a Drowning Girl, Catching Up, and La Transazione, The Transaction. Behind the camera, Gaunt has produced, directed, and written several films and other projects. A big believer in giving back to the community, Chris is an active board member as well as a volunteer in several nonprofit organizations. An avid athlete, Chris works out every day, can break 80 in golf, and has taught tennis for many years. When not acting, producing, directing, and writing, Chris enjoys spending time with his wife and two children. Here we go, Mr. Chris. <laughs> Woo! Thanks, Justin. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on here. Thank um, you for the invite. You do a great job. Of course, of course. And I love your story. I, I understand that you got into acting a bit later in life. And that that is fascinating to me. Yeah, Justin, I took a bit of a circuitous route uh, in, in terms of the entertainment industry. But boy, am, am I glad I did. So to make a very long story short, I started actually out in the business world back in the 80s, right out of college. And I came out of college and I was the oldest of four children. My father had passed away as a young man. So I was kind of leader of the pack of my family pack. And when I came out of school, I came out debt free and I, oh my gosh, I need to make money. I mean, I had paid for four and a half years of college. I double majored and I needed the cash, right? So I interviewed with and for a bunch of companies. I landed with one and actually stayed with them for over 30 years doing a number of different things across the country. Wow. Uh, proactively departed uh, about little less than four years ago. And then I dove, typical me, I dove headfirst into the entertainment swimming pool where I began acting uh, and writing and then producing and directing. And literally, Justin, for the last almost four years, it has been nonstop, you know, 18, 19 hours a day because I absolutely love this business and uh, never plan on stopping. So it's something I'll do the rest of my life. I love it. And so producing, directing, writing, yes. acting, Obviously, there's a lot of rough days in showbiz that come with all of that. So let's <laughs> yes. get into it. Great. Sounds great. Sounds great. You want to hear a couple of examples? <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, as many examples as you got. Uh, we could spend days and days on this because, you know, <laughs> you know, a normal person would probably say, well, gee, I'm going to cut my teeth on acting first, but not me. So it was acting and then shortly thereafter producing and then writing and then directing. So why do one really tough thing when you can do four really tough things? But again, I, I've loved it. So the examples I'm going to give you now are really uh, revolve and uh, have to do with the acting side, just because that's where I started. And that's what I continue to want to do better and better each day. And I could give you so many examples. And as a working actor, uh, you could probably give me a million examples too. But here's oh, yeah. three that I think, you know, your, your audience may resonate with. So mm. one of the first ones is um, walking into an uh, audition or walking into any audition process. And as actors, I think we're very good at reading facial expressions because we study people, right? Some of the best yeah. roles I've gotten, I've been able to draw upon my personal experiences or those around me. And I'm constantly being accused by my wife and children of staring at people and people watching all the time <laughs> to the point where it's, it's not subtle at all. I just do, cause that's how you learn. That's how you learn about people's mannerisms. One of my favorite things to do is to people watch. So when I walk into an audition, especially as an early on, when I was you know early in my acting career, I'd always try to gauge the facial expressions of the casting director 
or directors. And perhaps your audience can, can relate to this, but so often as you walk into a room, I always thought that you could gauge whether they're interested in you prior to your performance or audition just by the look on their face or <laughs> lack thereof. And I remember so often, especially early on, I'd walk in all gung-ho, ready to go, so prepared, and I'd look at a casting director, and oftentimes it looked as though I was the last person in the world they wanted to see walk through those doors. And I remember having that sinking feeling in my stomach, like, oh my God, I'm not going to get this. They don't like me already. Before, oh. I even uttered, before I even uttered a word, I'd almost self-sabotage myself thinking, I'm not going to get this part. They didn't light up. There wasn't, you know, a big happy smile, and that's not what they get paid to do. That's not their job, and I know that now as a more of a seasoned professional actor. So the thing that I found was interesting about that is don't gauge the casting director's expression or sometimes lack thereof as an indication as to how they may be feeling about you. Maybe they love you. Maybe they're really going to dig your performance. How would they know you haven't even performed yet? You haven't given your audition. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they fought with their loved one mm -hmm. or something personally happened to them. So you just don't realize that they're people too. They have a million things going on. So when you, so my lesson for me is, and moving forward is when I go into audition, I will look at them, of course, try not to read into their facial expressions and just try to deliver it. Be prepared, be confident, be humble, and then deliver it when they say go. You better be prepared and ready to go because it's a competitive world. So to me, uh, that was a, a huge learning experience that took several auditions for me to kind of get that through my noggin that, you know, their facial expression isn't an indication of whether you'll get the role or not. Yes, very, very good. Very good, very good stories. Very good stuff. Yeah, and it's then, true. And um, then stay positive and kill it in the audition. So stay positive yeah. and focused. And then when they say go, kill it, knowing that, you know, it's extremely competitive and that others right behind you are going to want it just as bad, if not more. So have that mentality oh, yeah. as well. That, yeah, they could be having a rough day in showbiz, and then that causes you to have a rough day in showbiz. Right. <laughs> or, or, or they could just Double be in a stone-cold uh, poker face where yeah. they're not going to give any indication. And I feel like I've not done well in an audition and gotten the role, and I've felt like I've killed it, done really, really well, super prepared, nailed it, and you know it's cricket. So it's, yeah. there's just no guarantee. But all you can do is control what you can control. Be prepared, be positive, be humble, and then just try to bring it during the audition process. Yeah, I find mm -hmm. that if you if you get like the smile and the friendly greeting, that's that's like a bonus. I mean, I think for the most part, you know, they're busy in there. I've got stuff to do. And um, yeah, it's true. Definitely, definitely not letting it um, sway you because it has nothing to do with you at all. They right. just saw 100 people. Um, and they're not paid to give you a big toothy grin they're paid no. to see can i imagine this person chris being the character that we need him to be yeah for this specific role and you know you could be their best friend or not it doesn't matter cool. so another example is uh and again i'm sure many of your audience members may be able to relate to this but because i live north of new york city oftentimes i'm driving into an audition and this one particular audition justin i drove over three hours because the traffic was horrible Oh. I was in full, I was in full costume because I thought <laughs> that was how the casting directors would want me to be. I was playing a really creepy character in a dilapidated <laughs> log cabin. So I roughed myself up. I put dirt on myself. I wore really shabby clothes and I got there in the nick of time. It's a very swanky New York office where they were holding the auditions. I got in the elevator with people 
crowded people in the elevator that had nothing to do with the acting business looking at me like, what in God's name is this person doing in this elevator? <laughs> I go up to the fourth floor. I rush into the audition. I have two seconds to get my act together. Everything's memorized, ready to go. I have a reading partner, lights on, and the sides that they spit at me are not the sides that were emailed to me. Mm. So I have everything wired, memorized, everything buttoned up. I practice for hours. The reader, super nice guy, starts you know blabbing his lines, and none of it makes sense because I didn't get the right sides. We ended up kind of improvising the scene because they weren't prepared for me to give the audition I was going to give because they thought they had given me the other side. So the lesson there, one rough day show business, long day, but keep your composure, be prepared for anything. If you need to improvise, be prepared to improvise, ask Ah. clarifying questions and ask for their grace in terms of, Hey, give me five minutes and I'll think about it or a few minutes and then bring it. And um, I did not get that part <laughs> and probably shouldn't have, oh. but I, I felt like at least, you know, I was able to improvise on my feet, even though they had emailed me the wrong sides and, you know, a rough day in show business, but you, you learn from that and you dust yourself off and, and off you go. So that was an interesting one. But I guess, again, the lesson for me was you be prepared for things that may not go smoothly, be prepared to improvise. If you kill it during an audition and they ask you to do something else, be prepared for that. I've had that happen where they kind of almost purposely throw you off or throw you a curveball to see mm-hmm. how you'll react and see, is this, can this person really adapt to changes on set? Cause oftentimes on set, as you know, they'll, they'll rejigger a, a scene and your dialogue right before they call action. So you better oh, yeah. be ready and you better, better be able to move with that and roll with it. Like it's nothing. So that was one. Uh, the third wow. one that I, I thought might be interesting is that I was auditioning back in April for a very large feature film. And um, I had several uh, self-tape audition requests for this particular film for various characters. So the first one I did for a, a fairly meaty role, did the self-tape, felt really good about it, submitted it. And typically you either get the role or as you know, you hear crickets, nothing. So yeah. submitted, submitted it, heard nothing. This casting director sent me sides for another part. Same thing. So same process. Studied the lines, knew it down cold, taped it, thought I sent in a terrific self-tape, nothing. Casting director sent me sides for a, same movie, by the way, a third part. (laughs) There we go. Strike three. So I do the sides, submit the self-tape, submit it to the casting director, crickets. So I'm like, I'm over three. Didn't get it. A day later, I get sides for a fourth role. Same process, do the sides, self-tape, submit, nothing. So I'm really feeling depressed. Like not only did I get four cracks at this, but I didn't get a call back on any of the sides that I had read for. Feeling really down. A day later, I get an email from the casting director that she wants me and the director of the film and a reader on a call at three o'clock that afternoon for another part they have in mind for me. (laughs) So I read for that part. I got a terrific adjustment. We spent about a half hour, which is for me almost unheard of for a a large feature film. Yeah. Thought I got the part for sure. I'm celebrating to myself. I'm telling my wife and kids about it. Nothing, nothing, not a, nothing, no word. A day later, I get an email from the same casting director say, congratulations, you've been cast in this film as so-and-so character. 
a character that I didn't read for, that I didn't even knew existed in the, I had no idea this character even existed in this particular film. Yep. And it was one of the best onset experiences ever working wow. with one of my comedic heroes, who is a huge A-list star. I'll never forget it. And um, so the, the lesson for me was keep positive, keep saying yes, keep swinging for the fences. And just because you hear crickets once, twice, three times, four times, five times, don't assume that if they want you and want to work with you, they'll find a part for you or they'll find where you fit within the context of that script. If they find that fit, if not, then you don't get it. And, you know, onto the next audition. So just by continuing to say positive and humble and motivated and saying yes to those audition requests, because I could have gotten frustrated and said, forget it. Yeah. I kept putting myself out there, kept auditioning, kept sending in the best self tape I could. That director saw something where I ended up getting cast terrific experience. And I'm also really good buddies now with their executive producer that, you know, we've been doing a lot together and we'll do more together. So what a great experience. And had I not kept saying yes, that would have all been for naught. I wouldn't have had that wonderful onset experience. And then subsequently after the film, you know, has been shot, continuing to have those relationships with uh, that executive producer. So that's a mouthful. So that was five, <laughs> you had five auditions. So I had five self-tapes. Five self-tapes. Uh, excuse, me, excuse me. I had four self-tapes. And crickets, then one, one meeting. Or one... one meeting with the casting director, director, and reader. And wow. I thought I absolutely nailed it because they kept me on the phone for 30 minutes. They gave me yeah. a couple of adjustments. And I'm like, oh, this is a really good sign. Not telling them that. I thought for sure when we hung up and it was a Zoom, of course, you know, a virtual meeting, I thought I got it for sure. A day goes by, nothing. Two days goes by, oh, crap, didn't get it. I get an email from the casting director two days later saying, congratulations, you've been cast as completely different part. That's so funny. One I didn't even know existed in the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Okay. That, that's, Our, such a, that's kind of a mind fuck. You're auditioning. <laughs> you, you, wow. They saw this yeah. other part in your audition for these other parts. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's quite mind blowing. Just keep saying yes. Yeah. So, and again, some of the parts were somewhat traditional, some were a little not traditional in the context of characters. And I thought they were all really fun and interesting. And the one I ended up getting, uh, I do think because I had grown out my hair and I had a beard for another role that mm. the director said, oh, because I had my hair pulled back, my wife had pulled it back. And I had mentioned just casually talking to him in between adjustments that I had long hair. He said, oh, we'll take that ponytail out. I want to see it. <laughs> and then he and the reader are conversing off camera and I couldn't hear them. So, you know, maybe something as little as that, you know, having longer hair and a beard that fit the, in their mind, you know, the, the part that they were trying to cast for that they had not yet cast. So it could be something as simple as that. So subjective and really nothing to do with acting. So you just don't know what's going to be the yes factor. So just keep going and, you know, be prepared and do your best. That's a good lesson too. And I love the, the, um, they can do this a lot. I, that this happens in voiceover too, even whether you're booking, booking a job or a callback or whatever, where they, they're able to turn your volume off in your headphones and then yes. they'll be talking and you'll see them yeah. doing this like silent film talking. And you're like, what are they? Is, do they, do I suck? Like, what, what is this conversation? What is happening? And, so the and first I always time, think it's bad. Like it me always too. Like, me, yeah, it's like, it's gotta be bad. Like it's so disconcerting. <laughs> they don't need to talk about good stuff, but, but it, it just so happens that no, it's probably not bad. 
<laughs> and this so the is- first time it happened, I thought for sure the casting director was talking about me, like what a crummy job I was doing or something, because it was the casting director in this other case, a director and a reader. They put me on silent where I could see their lips moving. And I said to the particular casting director, uh, I lost audio because I can't hear you. And she said, oh, no, that's by design. We have the ability to click you, to click you off. So you can't hear our discussion now. But don't worry about it. We'll be right back with you. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are they saying about me? Yeah. It, uh, it happened in this feature I just mentioned, this particular example where they did the same thing. And, of course, now I'm used to that happening. And when they came back and we got audio again, that's when the director said, hey, you mentioned you had long hair. Take your hair out of that ponytail. I want to see how long it is. And you know, we may have you shave the beard, but don't cut the hair. And I thought, okay, that's a really good sign. Oh, if they're already kind of really good sign. So I didn't get the role that I was reading for, but maybe because of that comment, he thought, okay, off camera, when my audition was done, maybe we can put him in here and it ended up working out beautifully. So you just wow. don't, the point is you don't know what someone's going to, to uh, turn to or spike to. You just don't know. And as a writer, when I'm writing material in my mind, as I close my eyes and I see the screenplay uh, unfolding before my eyes, I almost every single time, Justin, know exactly the type of character I want to cast, what he or she's going to look like, how they're going to act, what they're going to be dressed in. So I get it. So being on the other side of that, you know, casting, I just got done casting a short film this last weekend. I get it, how hard it is to change someone's perception if they already in their mind have you as a certain person, the way you look, the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you dress, it's hard to shift that perception, but keep trying because you never know, or they may find a role for you doing something else. Stay positive. And what a story. I mean, it's crazy because it, I I mean, obviously the five auditions had something, a lot to do with your, (laughs) you getting cast, but just the idea that after five auditions and you can still just kind of get lucky because of the hair. You know, yeah. Like, and, and, it, and maybe it wasn't, it wasn't that. Yeah. They, who knows? They knew you could act. I mean, they, they right, knew right. they were good, obviously. That helped. Yeah, that certainly just, helped. It, yeah. It's crazy that it's still just like, oh, the hair is correct. Yeah. Yeah. How sad is that in a way? Because what if I had a buzz cut because I had done a role where they yeah. required you to, and then they look at you like, nope, we need a guy that looks like, you know, he's this uh, middle aged hippie dude or whatever. That's what we're looking <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just. I see that actually. Looking at you, I yeah. see that. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, if I can continue to get more roles with long hair and a beard, that's what I'm going to do, man, until they tell me to shave it. And then I'll shave it right in front of them to get a role. I don't care. Wow. (laughs) You do what you have to do. You do do what you have to do. do. Right. That's such a good story. That's a very reassuring story. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's a good sign. If they want you to work for them, that's a good sign. You know, if they want you to keep auditioning for them. Yeah. It's a yeah. good sign. It's not because they're trying to torture you. It's because they like you. <laughs> and, and this particular guy, I'll tell you, this is a film project that he'd been working on for nine or 10 years to get greenlit and made. So he wasn't going to settle for someone that wasn't ideal in his mind for every single role, regardless of the size yeah. of the role. And it wasn't a big role, but it, to me, they all are, especially in a feature. I'm thrilled. And I I appreciated that about him, that he wasn't just going to settle and throw someone in. He wanted to make sure every single role, every detail, every nuance was tackled. And as I now cast and direct for my own projects, I'm that intense about it. You just Mm -hmm. can't afford to make a goofy mistake and there's no rush. Find the right actor for the role. Find the best actor for your role. So do you have any rough days in showbiz producing? Any kind of uh, difficult days that happen on your film? Every day in producing is a challenging day. And yeah, yeah, oftentimes... That, is, get, <laughs> that gets said so many times on this podcast. Yes, fires, all fires. Everything's on fire. 
everything is on fire. It's a blade <laughs> every day. And for me, you know, when I first came into the production side, it's typically because I had some, you know, 30 years of business acumen at my side. And I think people said, okay, you know, he showed up and produced as an actor. Let's tap him on the shoulder to see if we can use some of his business skills. And I'm convinced that's why I've been asked to produce. And, and then obviously it's more than just the business side of it. There's so many details you're juggling when you're producing, mm. but I think, you know, if I had to put a pin in the most challenging or difficult thing about producing, especially indie films, it's chasing the money, man, you know, because it's all about, it's all about finding those people that believe in your project, even though that project may not be pegged to make a lot of money or make money at all, depending on whether it's a real arty short film or even a feature film, and you're doing it just for the love of the craft, or even if it's a film that's we think is incredibly, or I think is incredibly commercially driven finding the money and people that are willing to invest in a film when there's no guarantee on that return, uh, especially, you know, in the last couple of years has been really, really challenging. Not to say it can't happen because we're doing it. We continue to make, you know, how many movies are made every year? Hundreds, if not thousands, oh, right? Yeah. So that money exists. It's just challenging finding it. And then the key for me is once you find it, you need to prove yourself that you can provide a return on that investment or that contribution so that those willing participants want to join you again for your next project or projects. That's the key. Yeah. You don't want to be one and done. So I think there's a million things that producers do, all of them, I think, uh, challenging. But I think in the last you know, year to two, finding the, uh, the, the money has been increasingly challenging, especially for smaller independent films. So... Yeah, that's, that's really, that's a, that's a take. Cause that's, um, it's just funny to me. It's, it's, it's not funny, but it's just funny. You, you set out to make something very profound and artistic and, yes. uh, you know, and, and, you know, something that will really resonate with people. And the reality is with that is like, we need money. We right. need, we have no money. Something you can like, have the best screenplay, the best actors lined up, the best yeah. director, the best gear, but you need the money to make all of that happen. Ugh. And um, oftentimes you can do it with less than you think, getting really creative. But for a large feature film, you know, especially even, you know, on the indie side, I mean, they are not inexpensive to make. They are very expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we only need 500,000 or we only need a million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And then. It's a lot of money. Go I try don't know to find where that it. comes from. Yeah, go try to find a million dollars right now. It's not easy. And then you take films, these large studio based that are 20, 30, 40, up to $200 million. Yeah. You know, these mega projects. And you know, I always think, where did they find the money? It's amazing to me that there's so many people that are willing to jump on that train and God bless them for doing that because yeah. it's not a guaranteed science. You know, some films do incredibly well. And some films do not from a financial standpoint. So, you yeah. know, it's not a layup. It's not a slam dunk. Oh, man. I just saw that. Um, oh, I think I just saw someone talking about um, that nowadays, in order to make money on a film, you have to put up $100 million by default. Wow. See, that's nuts. Maybe, maybe for a large, a really large, you yeah, know, like, uh, like feature a big, that's a big, like a big uh, studio production. Yeah. But with, I mean, with streaming services and all that and just how it works, because it used to be so much about the box office and now it's not. So right. it's like, it, it's this kind of weird landscape. Which is cool in some ways because it gives independent filmmakers so many different avenues to yeah. distribute and sell their product where before it was just the box office. Yeah. Now with all of these streaming services and more coming out each and every year, 
every yeah. month you, you see but, more but and more streaming services. Yeah, it, there, there's tons of them. And yeah, there's tons. Yeah. I mean, there's, I hear about a new one every day, which is good. Every day. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's sad though, because I guess the reality is having to make the film. That's kind of the, the challenge. So yeah. many places to put it out if you've made it. And even oh. if you have the money, you have the actors, you have the cast, you have the crew. I mean, there's still a million and one challenges in getting from point A to point Z in terms of distribution. So many things along the way. And that's why anyone in this business that has the internal fortitude to have that idea, that germ of an idea, stick with it through all the trials and tribulations, and then stand there and have the ability to talk about their film that's either streaming or that's in you know theatrical release, major props to all of those people, whether it's a large budget film or a, a tiny film, they all yeah. have a million challenges and it requires incredible internal fortitude and strength to see that through completion. And that's why I love this business because it's not easy. And the people that make a film, you know, we, we, as an audience member, we have the privilege of watching something for 90 minutes or two hours and we go about our day, but those don't know behind the scenes, hundreds of people have worked so hard for years and years and years to bring that 90 minute or two hour production to us, which is a real gift. So much work behind the scenes and years of their life dedicated yeah. to that. Um, you know, so before any money's made, it's, it's yeah. incredible. It's incredible. It, it's true. Yeah. And it, it's, I, it's definitely important to consider that before, if you see something you don't like, or a film you don't like, or something, maybe it's an indie film, there's technical problems or something. It's important right. to consider like the work that went in the amount of people who worked on it and the amount yes. of, um, energy that people put into this yes. uh, before you go, Oh, that sucked. Or that was, you know, bad writing or whatever, you know? Um, which I always do. I actually, I always kind of seek out indie films because I, I want to see, even, even if they have bad reviews or whatever on right. Amazon or something, yeah. but you were talking before about, um, the, the turnaround time for projects, which I've actually yes. had rough days in showbiz with just, you'll do a project. Um, and then you won't hear about it or, <laughs> you know, it'll just disappear. And then four yes. years later, it's like, oh yeah, that happened. And then yeah. it's, all, it's coming out and it's this big thing. And you're like, yeah boy, I've lost a lot of weight since then. Uh, yeah, I, aged, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember like, anything about it. Yeah. I look like a completely yeah. different person now. Like, thank right. you. That, that would have been hot on my reel like four years ago. Sure. But exactly. now yeah, exactly. it's rather useless. Um, obviously that's happened to you with, with a couple. Yeah. Of so, I mean, I, I would say the more complex and sophisticated projects that happens all the time, all the time, it's more common. It's more the norm than the exception. For smaller, you know, smaller budgeted films, there's maybe perhaps, and even then they can be a long turnaround. Maybe there's a quicker turnaround time. But I can tell you with feature films, and if you do, and I, I love to do research on films, for example, this film that I was privileged to act in in April, they had been trying to green light that film. And it's an unbelievably strong script for nine years, just in nine years. And that's before, that's before one day on set just to get the film greenlit. So that creator, uh, that screenwriter and director, nine years, he believed in the project enough where he's like, I'm not going to rest until we get this film made. And it's going to be an absolutely fantastic film. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad they made it. And I was a small part of it. But just imagine that internal fortitude that he had to have and the people around him to believe in that vision hey, we're going to make this film. Come hell or high water, we're making this film. I just finished working on a feature film. It's out of post-production now and finally done. 
but the writer and lead actress in the film, as well as the director, have been working on this film for over four years. And to your audience members that aren't in the business, that may not seem like a long time, but when you're grinding away on a project for four years before it's completed, that's a long time. And by the way, they were going full steam. It wasn't like they were lollygagging around. I mean, it was four years of hard work to get it finally through post-production, which it is. And now it's, you know, we're ready to have the world see it. And I'm executive producing that. And I'm, it's a wonderful independent film. It's a psychological thriller that I'm thrilled to be part of four years. I've, I've been on the project for two. They started meeting on the project four years ago. And now here we are. And it just takes a long time. And there's a million reasons why that takes a long time. And every film of substance, uh, whether it's an independent or a major blockbuster, they all take a long time. They all do. So, um, yeah, there's really no quick turnaround in the film business that I've seen anyway. Yeah. And so do you have any other rough days in showbiz for us? Uh, oh, so I've talked about acting. I've talked about producing. Uh, directing is always interesting. So I had a <laughs> chance to direct a um, eight-part episodic that'll be airing on Amazon here soon. We're going to premiere it September wow, 30th. Very cool. That's a really fun project. It'll be eight, uh, six to eight minute episodes. And uh, one of the directing challenges I had with that is that we were shooting a very critical scene, second to the last day of shooting. And one of our key actresses in this case decided that she did not want to be part of the project and let us know the day of shooting that she decided that she no longer wanted to be part of this project and sent us a text that she wasn't feeling well. And that was why. So I ended up, because you, the show must go on, so everyone's there ready to go, waiting for their marching orders, ready for us to shoot. So I ended up putting one of the production partners and writers uh, into the film in her spot, and he killed it. He did a fantastic job, argu arguably better than she may have done. And you know, we, we, we pounded a square peg into a round hole, but it worked out beautifully. And the lesson for me there was the old adage, the show must go on. You have cast and crew ready to go. Man. You're missing an actress, so figure it out. And uh, because he was so familiar with the script, he knew the lines, and we we shoved him in, and he did a fantastic job, and, and no one's the wiser. We'll never tell, so uh, other than you. <laughs> so uh, th things are going to happen, man. You know, things are going to happen. You just have to uh, never let him see a sweat, and, and the show must go on. Man, oh, man, that's a frustrating day. <laughs> She's not showing up. Everyone's just looking at each other wide-eyed. Oh, on the writing side, because I, I, I love to write. So on the writing side, I mean, you'll think you'll really have a good germ of an idea and you'll, you'll work either with a writing partner or alone and you'll get really excited about writing something, whether it's a short or a, or a feature. And I have a stack of them. And then you'll share it with someone to get some objective feedback. And it's like the sound of one hand clapping. So <laughs> you've, you've poured your blood, sweat, tears, emotion into this idea synopsis logline and screenplay and you know you don't get the reaction that you think you should get and it just goes to show that art is very subjective so that's one or two person's opinion it doesn't mean everything you if you believe in your project and you feel wholeheartedly that it's a story that needs and should be told for the reasons that you want to tell it then go tell it you know don't let one or two people tell you that it shouldn't be told or it should be told a different way if you believe in it and you have a team around you that believe in that Go tell your story and let nothing deter you or sway you from telling your story. Yes. Um, uh, on that note, uh, you kind of touched on this before, but what do you have coming up? Oh, yeah, yeah. So thank you. So 
A couple of things coming up. Uh, really proud to announce that this feature film, Follow Her, it's a tremendous psychological thriller directed by, uh, gosh, nine-time nominated, two-time winner, uh, Emmy Award winner, Sylvia Kaminer, written by uh, a terrific lady named Danny Barker, who's the star in it. Stars another uh, incredibly talented Australian actor, Luke Cook, who's amazing. Um, also in it is Mark Moses. He's been in three Oliver Stone movies. He was the lead in Desperate Housewives, a lead oh. in Mad Men. He's a fantastic actor. So that film is now out of post-production, and uh, we'll be looking to distribute and sell that and for the world to enjoy that. It's called Follow Her, a fantastic full-feature psychological thriller that I had a small part in, but I executive produced. Very also, nice. um, a terrific, this eight-part, uh, six-minute-each episodic called Against the Ropes. Terrific story about a true story uh, about a female who wanted to be in the world of WWE as a high schooler. So her name is uh, Kayla, and she ended up wrestling uh, from the age of 13 to 19. She was also grappling with her sexuality at the same time, and all that that encompassed. Uh, that's called Against the Ropes. Uh, we're going to premiere that September 30th, and that will be airing on Amazon shortly thereafter. So we're excited about that. Wow, fantastic. Uh, terrific. Oh, thanks. A terrific short film called If I Could Tell You, where I play a psychologist to a young lady who's grieving the loss of her mom who had died 10 years prior. Uh, that's a short that I produced and I um, ex uh, helped produce and then I acted in. Uh, and now I'm directing a wonderful uh, short film called The Lasting First Impression. Uh, and then I'm also uh, executive producing and I'll have a small acting role in a wonderful 1923 period piece based on a true story called Lorena. We're going to shoot a lasting first impression in October. We're going to shoot Lorena in November. And uh, one thing about me, dude, is I just do not stop. So between the acting, producing, writing, and directing, I refuse to sit still uh, because I love it too much. And um, it, it becomes, uh, uh, you know, the best obsessive passion in a good way. It's a blast. I love that. You've got so much going on. That is so awesome. Yeah, it's, man, it's that's a blast. You, you're going to have what what a year you're going to have or two your next, next couple of years. Holy crap. Yeah. And so where yeah. can people follow you? Are you on social media? Where can we catch up with all this and, and see all this and see the premieres? Yeah, yeah. So like a lot of actors and entertainers, I'm all over social media. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I, I have my own website, of course, acting portals, actors access. But on Instagram, I'm Chris Gaunt actor on Twitter, the same handle. On Facebook, I'm Chris Gaunt, and uh, you can find me. Uh, I have my own YouTube channel as well, where you can oh, see cool. some of the things, uh, some of the short films I've been involved in, as well as a lot of my real work. And then, of course, uh, my IMDb listing. It's Chris Gaunt, Roman numeral two. Uh, that's where you can find me. So constantly updating and refreshing my material. I always have the latest projects I'm working on and the latest information on releases for feature films, short films, episodics and uh, things I'm directing and producing. That is great. Oh, this has been a great chat, Chris. I'm inspired. Um, I love all the stuff that you're doing. That is so awesome. I will be watching the, the series that come out and the, the films and everything. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. <laughs> and wonderful stories. I think we can all relate. And I definitely, I loved hearing about it. Thank you so much for being on. I, I really appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, you're really doing a great job. And one thing, Justin, I'd love to share with your audience is that I was in the business world for over 30 years. I made the proactive decision about four years ago to proactively exit the business world to chase what I want to do the rest of my life. 
So to me, it's to me, it's a great example, I think, of an act two or a second act. So you're it's never too late. I know it may sound corny, but it's never too late to chase what you want to chase and pursue the dreams that you have, provided that you're willing to work your tail off because it is not easy. So if you're provided to work, 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 be humble, be enthusiastic, then anything can be accomplished. And on my house or throughout my house, I have signs and the one sign says, um, <laughs> what does my sign say? <laughs> the, the sign says, do what you think you can't. Do what you think you can't. I have it on my refrigerator. I have it on my desk. I'm looking at it right now on my coffee table. Do what you think you can't. And when you adapt that mindset, it's amazing when you force yourself to be out of your comfort zone, the things you can and will accomplish in life. Do what you think you can't. Believe it and go for it. And little steps lead to big growth. Chris, gone. Woo! Woo! Thanks, Justin.